In the holy name of Jesus, amen. If there's one thing I've learned from all of the crime movies that I've seen, it's that you have to watch what you say in order to stay out of trouble. Even when you have nothing to hide, it's very easy to be betrayed by your own words. This, of course, is why criminals are advised never to speak to anyone without their attorney present. And on the other side of the coin, a clever person knows how to set a trap, how to entangle someone in his words. Maybe you've seen the famous uh, scene from the movie A Few Good Men, when Tom Cruise leverages Jack Nicholson's pride and gets him to confess to the crime on the witness stand. Of course, this doesn't just happen in fictitious courtrooms. I'm constantly amazed by how early my kids learned to remember the things I've said in order to use them against me later. <laughs> it's all one big setup, I'm sure. And so, at times, it's very, very important to watch what you say in order to stay out of trouble. In our Gospel lesson, the Pharisees, in a very sinister way, are trying to get Jesus in trouble. They're fishing for a mistake. They're looking for grounds to prosecute him, and so they set up a trap. They pose an impossible question. Now, it's important to keep in mind the context for today's Gospel lesson. It stretches back over several weeks, and it began with the triumphal entry, Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, being welcomed by the people as King and Messiah, and then being questioned by the chief priests and the elders of the people as to where his authority comes from. We've heard, heard parts of this context over the last several weeks. Jesus turned their question back on them, and then he told several parables. And the parables were about them. The Pharisees were the bad guys, and they knew it. We heard the last of these parables a week ago, the parable of the wedding feast. It was a final warning about what would happen if they refused the invitation and didn't put on a wedding garment. And so all of this brings us to today. All of this, this whole context, is one big prelude to the crucifixion, to Good Friday. Jesus is in Jerusalem, and it's the week before his death. And almost in response to the parables that Jesus tells, the Pharisees and the Sadducees come up to Jesus and ask him three questions to try and discredit him. They're looking for grounds to prosecute Jesus, and so they set up a trap. And today, in the Gospel lesson, we heard the first of those questions. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Now, if you were a good Jew in Jerusalem, in Roman-occupied Jerusalem, you had a particular distaste for Caesar, and your instinct would have been to say, no, it's not lawful. Not only was it unpatriotic to pay taxes to Caesar, but Caesar had even set himself up as a god. It even said so on the coins. And so supporting the tax amounts to blasphemy. On the other hand, not paying taxes to Caesar is a serious imperial crime. And teaching against paying taxes is far worse, punishable by death. It's insurrection. 
Although the Pharisees were just oozing with compliments, it's obvious what's going on. They're trying to get Jesus in trouble. They posed an impossible question so that they could charge him with either blasphemy or insurrection. Now, we do well to observe just how craftily Jesus outwits his opponents. He watches what he says. Again and again throughout his life, we've heard Jesus teach as one with authority. He always answers with perception and wisdom. He knows the minds and hearts of his questioners, and he always has an answer that silences his opposition. He watches what he says. But Jesus is much, much more than just a quick wit. He watches what he says for a very unexpected reason. You might think it's the same reason anyone watches what he says, to stay out of trouble, to avoid incriminating himself. But Jesus is after something very different than that. Jesus watches what he says, not in order to stay out of trouble, but in order to make sure that he gets in trouble for the right thing. Remember the context. Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's on his way to the cross. Three times already in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus has predicted his death and resurrection, and once, when Peter tried to rebuke him concerning his death, Jesus replied, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Jesus knew what he was doing. He wasn't just trying to stay out of trouble. Staying out of trouble would have meant setting aside the things of God. It would have meant no suffering, no cross, no sacrifice, no body and blood, no forgiveness, life, and salvation for you and for me. Jesus watches what he says not in order to stay out of trouble, but to make sure that he gets in trouble for the right thing. He watches what he says because nothing will deter him from rendering to God the things that are God's. And to do that, he needed to be crucified not as a blasphemer or an insurrectionist, but as an innocent man. There could be no justice in his cross. He needed Pilate to say, what evil has this man done? And he needed the centurion at the foot of the cross to say, truly this man was the Son of God. There had to be this strange and tragic irony that when they finally crucified Jesus, when his enemies finally lifted him up on the cross, they actually took part in rendering to God the things that are God's. Despite all their best efforts to the contrary and despite their faithlessness, they offered up the sacrifice, the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. Jesus needed to be crucified, not as a blasphemer or an insurrectionist, but as the innocent Son of God himself, as the one who bears the very likeness of God. Jesus knew what he was doing. He watched what he said, not in order to stay out of trouble, but in order to make sure that he got in trouble for the right thing, in order to render to God the things that are God's. And he did all of this for us. You and I, 
who had no chance of staying out of trouble, who were caught in our words the moment we opened our mouths, who had lost the things of God, who had nothing to render, nothing to offer, we now have this. Jesus' suffering and his cross, his sacrifice, his body and his blood, his forgiveness, life, and salvation, these all are given to us. We now have something to render to God, the things that are God's. Jesus, the innocent Son of God, the one who bears the likeness of God, he is ours. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. amen.